and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, go ahead and do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning, and you're going to want to check them out. Don't forget, you can also follow me on Instagram at SpeakAdogCast. Yes, we have an excellent show lined up today. The first segment is going to be, Should I Get a Second Dog? That's a question all of us ask at some point or another. Should we get a buddy for our buddy? I'll answer that in today's segment. Then comes the next segment called The Neighbor's Dog. Do you have a nuisance neighbor's dog and you don't know what to do about it? I'm going to give you a lot of information to empower you as a dog owner today. Then comes the breed of the week, followed by the listener Q&A. And if you guys have any questions for that listener Q&A, keep them coming my way. Email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or you can comment on any of my social media posts, send a message to me on social media. Anyway, send it on over. Dogs, animals, training related, you name it, I'll answer it and feature it in the podcast. Yes. But before we get going with today's podcast, got to give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what is is the only insect that can turn its head. Yes, what is the only insect that can turn its head? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, should I get a second dog? Yes, should you get a second dog? Of course, everybody's getting back to work. You know, some people are not doing the remote thing anymore. Maybe you got a dog, you know, during all the COVID lockdowns and everything. And everybody's been home this whole time in your dog's life. And now all of a sudden we're back to school, back to work. And you're thinking, I should get a second dog. Well, I'm here to tell you that the answer is most likely no. No, you shouldn't. (laughs) I'm sorry to burst your bubble, guys. I really am. But as a professional in all my time... (laughs) It's rare I see somebody with two dogs that is doing it right. I'm just being honest. Um, You know, look, how many people out there do it right with one dog? You know, it may not be what you want to hear, but it is the truth. Should you get a second dog? Most likely not. Uh, (laughs) Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't. Because maybe you are the exception. Maybe you are the person that should have two dogs. And there's nothing wrong with that. But guys, you got to think about all the things that come with two dogs, okay? You really do. And to me, to be able to to answer the question, should you get a second dog, you have to ask yourself a handful of questions before that, okay? And the very first question is, is your first dog a good dog? Are they stable? Are they well-adjusted? Do they walk well on leash? Do they have good manners? Do they have aggression issues with other dogs? Possessive issues over toys or food, right? Issues with people. Are they a well-rounded dog? You already know the answer to this, guys. I'm not trying to, again, burst your bubble, but you know if you have a well-rounded dog or not. You know if you have a mentally stable dog or not. Okay, and if you don't have a stable dog and then you go out and get a second dog, it's only going to amplify those issues and make it so much worse. Part of part of this segment today is I've seen on Facebook a lot. And even my wife was mentioning to me, she's seen in groups on Facebook groups a lot that people are, are, are recommending left and right. Get a second dog. Get a second dog. It'll solve all your problems. It'll solve all your problems. And that is just complete and utter. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's. <laughs> 
I don't know why people find they need to like just lie to people or or my favorite one of we got a second dog and had a great experience. So you should absolutely get a second dog. So because you had a good experience that automatically ensures, of course, that these other people are going to have an equal experience. No, no. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm dispelling it right now. The second dog is not the answer to your problems. Do you know what the answer to your behavioral problems with your first dog is? Training, guys, training your first dog, fixing those behavioral issues first. Then maybe you can ask the question of, should I get a second dog? Um, but I'll be honest, I really, most people should not have more than one dog. They just shouldn't. Okay. You have to remember what it's going to take, right? First of all, let's, I mean, uh, raising a dog from a puppy, you know, going to a breeder, because that's what I hear a lot, was, well, we won't go to a rescue, we'll go get a puppy. That doesn't ensure anything. You know how many people I've seen that raise dogs from puppies and completely screw them up worse than half the rescue dogs I've seen? I mean, you know, so it doesn't ensure anything. The only thing that's going to ensure success of getting a second dog is two things. Number one, that you put yourself and set yourself up for success by making sure your first dog is well-rounded, well-behaved, and mentally stable. And the second thing is time, dedication, and training that you're going to put into your second dog. Those are the only two things that are going to ensure you get success with getting a second dog, guys. That's it. There's nothing else. There's nothing else that could enable you to get success other than that. So I know, a little bit of truth bomb here today. You probably saw, oh, should I get a second dog? This is going to be a cute segment about getting it. No, I, my job is to be honest, right? <laughs> Any, anybody who's newer to the podcast, my job is to be honest. Okay, I'm not here to like fluff things up for you. I want to be honest. And a second dog is going to double your trouble if you're not prepared and ready for it. Okay, look, Myself, you know, I have four dogs. Um, and last fall when we got Nemo, that was back in August, August, September, August, I keep forgetting which month that was, but needless to say, August or September, we got Nemo. And at the time we already had four dogs. So that took us up to five dogs. Now guys, I'm not the average owner, right? I work from home a lot. I'm clearly a professional who works with dogs every day. Uh, we have a lot of land. I walk my dogs daily. They get stimulation exercise, they get playtime, they have doggy day camps. All these things I do to ensure that all five of my dogs are going to have success. Four of my dogs now, but it was five at the time when we got Nemo. And the point I'm getting at is Nemo was a rescue dog that came with a lot of issues. So not only did I have to deal with my four dogs of my own, and thank goodness those four dogs uh, are and were, you know, one of them was we had to, uh, we, we lost last November, uh, but my dogs are and were very well behaved. And so bringing another dog in, is going to set myself up for more success. Now, at the same time, I'm bringing client dogs in. And the point I'm really trying to make here is I was exhausted for a few months. I still am. <laughs> because I, I, and I knew I would be. I mean, I knew, we knew the issues that Nemo had. You know, the rescue was up front about it. We knew, we, we knew we were taking on some baggage and that's okay. And he's doing so much better now, guys. I can't even like begin um, to describe where we were at the beginning of Nemo's training to where he's now. But we, we knew what was going to need to go into it. One, my other dogs need to be stable, right? And two, time, dedication, training. And that's what we've been doing. And we're getting good success now. Okay. So that's just the reality is that most people just should not have two dogs, let alone three or four. Um, so it's just not for everybody. And it's not for most people. 
Okay, this is just my honest professional opinion. You all can disagree with me out there all you want, but uh, you know, I, I, the behavior I see day in and day out, whether whether it's at a client's home or whether I'm just out on a walk in public with my dogs, and all I have to do is take a quick look around me, and it's very obvious most dogs are not well trained, not well behaved, not well adjusted. So then it's very simple to see, should I get a second dog? The answer is going to be a, a, a very large no for the most, most of you. Not all of you, but most of you. Okay? Not trying to break any hearts today, but I know I'm going to have some sad people out there <laughs> after listening to this. But look, here's, here's the upside. Here's the upside. Your dog doesn't, they, they don't need a second dog to be happy. The amazing, wonderful thing about dogs is that they are such a versatile, uh, well-adapted animal, and that you guys can be a substitute for their dog pack. They, they they look at their family, they look at the people they live with very much as their pack. And so it's not taking away anything from their life by not having a second dog. Now, with that said, don't get me wrong, you need to socialize your dog around other dogs, obviously, right? But that's where doggy day camps come in. That's where dog parks come in. That's where hanging out with your friends that have dogs, family members that have dogs, that's where that comes in, you know? So you don't need to have a second dog to let your dog be fulfilled. You just, you don't. Do you know what your dog really needs to be fulfilled? You know what your dog needs to be fulfilled? Stimulation, a purpose, a job, exercise, discipline, structure, rules, boundaries, affection, food, treats. Okay, that's what a dog needs to be having. Now, they don't need treats to be happy. And let's not get into the discussion of what happiness is in a dog because we can't truly measure it, but we're not going down there. Um, so if you really want to make your dog happy, guys, yeah, look, I don't even like saying the affection, treats, and food side of it because everybody's going to do that. It's the structure, rules, and discipline side that most of us are missing out on. And guys, I guarantee you, if you give your dogs that, they don't need a second dog to be happy. They just don't. Okay? But let's say, let's say you are one of those people who wants to get a second dog because you do have a well-adjusted, well-behaved dog. You're ready to take on another dog because you love dogs, because you want to rescue a dog, because you want to give another dog a good home. And you are in a place to be able to do that um, successfully. Well, then let's talk about that, right? So how do we do it? How do we go about bringing a new dog into our house? Um, you know, what I really like is if you can find a rescue that allows you to bring your dog, and most places are doing this now, uh, they allow you to bring your dog to the rescue to do a little bit of a, of a test, right? A little test run. That's awesome. That's phenomenal. I highly encourage you take advantage of that, guys, because just like with human beings, and dogs are better at it than humans, but just like with human beings, we're not all going to be best friends. We're not. We're not all going to be best buds. We're not all going to have the same interests. We're not all going to have the same similar energy levels. So it's a good idea to get your dog to meet this dog to see if they mesh, to see if they're going to be buddies, you know? Some, some relationships take a little time to develop, but is, wouldn't it be better wouldn't it be better if you can test it out right away, find the dog that's going to best match with your dog? You know, that's my biggest recommendation right there. Don't let your heart do the picking. You know, don't let, don't, don't, and don't get me wrong. You're the human at the end of the day, it's your decision. But I want your dog to be a part of that process and help you determine that. Because if we find a dog that they just get along with instantly, then, hey, that's great. That's, 
perfect. No, no questions asked. Get that dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Obviously a much easier transition if we do it that way. Um, but that would be the biggest thing I could suggest is try to get your dog to meet the other dog first. Now, once we do say, let's say we've picked out this great dog and we want to bring them home, I would recommend bringing them home in the car separately, whether that be a crate or tethering them or what have you. Let's not let them get too loose and riled up in the car because one, you're driving. Two, it's an enclosed environment. And anytime we have an enclosed environment, it can actually create more stress, more tension. So it's best if we can keep them separate so they don't necessarily feel like they're all up in each other's space, right? Um, that's the first thing is that ride home, try to keep them separate. Hey, if you can bring two separate cars, even better, honestly, guys, it's better to do it like that, in my opinion, better to give them some space. You know, think about the rescue dog. They've been going through a lot. There's a lot that, that happens. Um, from getting from being rescued to being rescued to your home, right? So there's a, there's a lot of transitional things that happen there and it's best to try to reduce the amount of stress to get them home. All right, so anyway, we're home. My first recommendation when you get home is to not go right inside. I want you to take them for a walk. Go for a nice walk around the neighborhood, get them tired, let them be around each other on a nice healthy walk. The walk guys as I as I stress over and over and over the walk heals most, if not all problems. <laughs> okay. So going out on a walk first can again, kind of help them both get acclimated to each other. We're not going straight into an enclosed environment like the house, you know? So same kind of concept as the car. It's giving them some space, but at the same time, letting them be around each other and get used to each other. Okay. Um, so go for a good walk. And I'm not talking a little five minute walk, guys. Go for a good walk. Get them exercised and get them tired. That way, when you do finally go into the house, once again, they're tired, less likely to have any issues. Okay. I would recommend keeping that leash on when you take them. In, uh, your first dog that knows the house, your first dog, by all means, you can take the leash off when you get inside. Um, but I recommend keeping the leash on your new dog guiding them around the house, letting them sniff, letting them take it all in by all means, um, but making sure that you're still the one guiding and controlling them, okay? We want your new dog to understand that they should look for structure, rules, boundaries, affection, of course, too, from you. And keeping that leash on is one way to ensure that we're keeping that control and showing them that just because we come inside this place doesn't mean we forfeit our control, okay? Let them explore the house a little bit. Let them get the sm smells and all that good stuff in. Once you're feeling comfortable, once you feel like we're all good, sure, pop off that leash or better yet, keep the leash on and let them drag it around the house. That way, just in case, right? It's a new dog. We don't know. Just in case there is an issue between the two of them, you can regain some control and having that leash still leashed up or having the dog still leashed up. There you go. Okay. So let them drag it around and then, hey, let them do their thing. If they want to play a little bit, let them play. Awesome. Uh, but my point, the, the one thing you really want to take from this is go slowly, Okay, take your time getting in the house, take your time exercising, take your time introducing to your dog at the rescue. You really, the whole process, take it slowly and take baby steps. Don't push it too hard, too fast. Okay, that's really the best way to ensure that you're going to have success bringing in a second dog. Okay, um, you know, after that, I would still recommend going for more walks and keeping the exercise level up for a couple days, maybe even a week or two uh, when you bring the new dog in. That way we're keeping both dogs stimulated. We're keeping both dogs exercised and tired because you're less likely to encounter problems if they're well exercised. It'll help with that adjustment period quite a bit. Okay. Now, other things to be cautious about, guys. This is a second dog. If it's a rescue dog and you may not even know their whole situation, you need to be cautious about a few things. Okay, toys, food, possessiveness, possessiveness issues. Okay, um, 
you know, not not every rescue is going to have the resources, the time to be able to assess every single dog to the to the full extent, right? And for for even you know certain reasons, they they just again they just can't do it. So maybe the rescue does know these things and they told you this information. I would still be cautious. The dog might act a little different at the rescue than they do at the house. Okay, and we're all of a sudden around this other new dog in a new environment it can sometimes create tension and you just never know. So I highly encourage you to just be aware. Don't be nervous. I'm not telling you to be scared or anything like that. I just want you to be an aware aware owner, okay? Be aware of these things so you can try to head them off. If you see maybe a little bit of possessiveness happening, that's when we want to try to redirect that behavior. But again, another great, another great suggestion and plug here. Please hire a professional. Feel free to call me or email me or whatever, what have you, for some virtual training. Uh, listen to all the other podcast segments, some great information in there. But if you are bringing a second dog in, honestly, guys, the very best way to ensure you're going to have success, the very best way, is to hire a professional. Yes, hire a professional so they can come in and really assess both dogs' personalities and temperament because a lot of times a professional is going to see things you would never think to look for. Serious. Uh, We hone in on these details and these very minute things that are very important to look for that you may not know to look for. So the best way, the best way to stop bad behaviors from happening is to get ahead of them. And the best way to get ahead of them is to hire a professional. So I definitely encourage you to do that. Look, should you get a second dog, guys, right? I mean, that's that's the theme of this whole segment here. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a meanie face or anything. Meanie face? Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, is your first dog well adjusted? Do you do everything you need to do to meet your first dog's needs? Are you exercising them regularly, walking them regularly? Are they well adjusted? Do they get along well? with All these questions you have to ask yourself before you can even think about getting a second dog. Because I, I just, I see it too often. I see it way too often where someone goes out and thinks a second dog is going to solve all their problems. But in reality, all it will do is amplify it. Don't listen to Facebook. <laughs> Guys, if you have questions about behavior, please, I implore you, ask a professional. Of course, you can always email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Your question might even get featured on the show here in our Q&A segment. Um, But I'm more than happy to answer some of those questions you guys have about training because it's always about setting yourself up for success. So please, 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 I implore, if you guys have any questions and you're not sure about getting a second dog, reach out to myself, reach out to a professional, uh, and make sure you get good information that is actually going to get you success, not Facebook information. Okay. None of these Google dog trainers, find a legit dog trainer guys. Um, but yeah, should you get a second dog? Once again, think long and hard about it, guys. It's not for everybody. It isn't. And your dog can live a perfectly happy life on their own and with their pack. And that's you, right? Your family, the family, uh, you're their pack. So don't forget that. And if you really want to increase your dog's quality of life, Hey, that's on your training, your walking, and the amount of stimulation and exercise you give them. That's what's going to make them happier. So uh, take all those things into consideration before you go out and get a second dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. 
offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, the neighbor's dog. Yes, we're going to be talking about your neighbor's dog. Everybody has dealt with it at some point, guys, whether it's just the neighbor's dog um, using your lawn as a bathroom and not cleaning up, or maybe you've got a neighbor's dog that chases and harasses you or harasses your dogs or your children, or maybe it's even worse. Maybe you have some chickens or livestock that your neighbor's dog has taken out, (sighs) or they're trying to bite you. I mean... (laughs) At some point, everybody's dealt with this problem, you know, and it's it's a pain. It's a pain in the neck. Nobody enjoys it. And it's tough. But at the same time, I want to tell you there is some hope because most of the time, guys, there is something you can do. And I want to be able to, to empower you with that today on what you should do um, in a situation where you have a neighbor's dog who's a pain in the neck. Maybe the dog just barks all the time, right? Oh, geez. I don't miss that in my old neighborhood. We had a neighbor behind us who they would just put their dog. They, they clearly didn't walk the dog almost as if they didn't even want the dog. And they'd put him out in the backyard and the dog would just howl all day, come on and come back inside. And of course they wouldn't let him. So he just howls even more. Oh, I don't miss that. <laughs> anyway, getting back to it, you know, neighbor's dogs, everybody's dealt with it. What do you do? Well, there, it depends. You know, that's the thing. What you can do really depends on where you live. Now, different states have different laws, uh, different cities, counties, whatever, or what have you. Uh, you know, the first thing I want to start with and say is just from my own knowledge, and look, it's impossible, guys. It's absolutely impossible for me to know every law in every state and every city and every town and every county everywhere. It would be literally impossible because some states do leave it more up to the city to decide what laws there are for animals and pets and dogs. Uh, in the state of Florida, though, there is a very black and white leash law. Now, guys, this doesn't matter where you live in the state of Florida If you live inside the state of Florida, this law applies to you, okay? And that is this leash law. And the leash law very basically states your dog has to be leashed up and under control. That's what it says, okay, in a nutshell. So the second you leave private property, if you step out into the street in your neighborhood with your dog, unless your neighborhood is a privately owned street, you are breaking the law if your dog is not on leash. You heard me correctly. You take one step into the street off of your property with your dog not leashed up and you are breaking the law in the state of Florida. Now, personally, I love these leash laws. I think they need to be enforced a little harder, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, let's but let's talk about your neighbors. Look, I, I had an experience myself one time where I had a neighbor whose dog was getting on my property and trying to attack and it was not a good situation. It was not a good situation. And The first thing I try to always recommend when it comes to neighbors, guys, don't forget you have to live next door to them. (laughs) That's the first thing you need to remember is you have to live next door to them tomorrow, the day after, and most likely many days after that. So I try to be diplomatic. Okay. That's the first thing you need to try to do when you have a nuisance dog is at least try to be diplomatic about it. Go over there, ask them to keep their dog locked up better, whatever. And in my experience, that's what I tried to explain and that I'm, you know, I run a business with 
dogs. I have client dogs. I have my own dogs and they need to keep their dog on their own property. And as a matter of fact, they are breaking the law. Now they didn't really care because it happened two more times. And after the second time I had warned them, I said, look guys, if this keeps happening, I will, I will get the, I will get law enforcement involved. Sure enough, happened again. Now, I love the Martin County Sheriff's Office. (laughs) I absolutely do. They're wonderful. Uh, We did have to get them involved. And luckily, the situation was taken care of after that. The Martin County Sheriff's Office, of course, informed my neighbor of what the law is and that clearly they are breaking the law and it's very black and white. If this continues, I, as a citizen, have the power to do a few things. Okay, as, as someone who's being wronged, I have the right to do a few things, and I love this. This is empowering. All you Florida residents out there, if you have a dog come on your lawn, got news for you guys, you can take that dog down to the pound. You don't have to ask your neighbor, tell your neighbor. You don't have to do a damn thing because that dog is now a loose dog, unleashed, and in the state of Florida, that owner's breaking the law. I don't want to do that. It's not what I want to do. But if they're not getting the message, guys, what's better? That dog remains free and potentially gets hit by a car? Or you take it to your local shelter where they have to come pick it up and at least you know it's safe. Right? Who's really the bad guy here? The person letting their dog roam freely and potentially get hurt? Or the neighbor who doesn't want to see this dog get hurt, doesn't want to see their family get hurt, and is going to take this dog down to the local shelter? You have every right to do that in the state of Florida with a loose dog. So that was what the law enforcement officers informed them of. And then you have to pay to get your dog out of there and they'll be ticketed. And with so many tickets, they'll end up having to go before a judge and explaining why their dog keeps getting, if it continues, their dog could actually get taken away from them. That's the power you have in the state of Florida. And most people do not exercise these powers, right? Instead, we just get frustrated and we yell at our neighbors and it becomes a whole feud and a fight and we don't get anybody involved. There's no record. There's an important detail, guys. And that was one thing the law enforcement, you know, my, they made sure to tell me. They said, this is the first time you've called us. So for, for, for our understanding of the situation, this has only happened one time. And even though it had happened three times. So something to keep in mind, documentation is very important. And in the day of cell phones, that was the other thing they told me, pull out a cell phone next time it happens and get a video of it, right? There's the proof. So I want to empower you as a, as a homeowner, dog owner, whatever, uh, that you have certain rights. And in the state of Florida, those are your rights. Now, I can't speak for everybody else. I cannot speak for the other 49 states. <laughs> you guys do need to do your own research, okay? The way to empower yourself with anything, guys, is knowledge. Be knowledgeable, of the laws in your area, because that's what's going to give you the power to protect yourself, protect your dog, and protect your family in these types of unfortunate situations, you know? Um, so, you know, when it comes to loose dogs, first, you have to know the laws. Second, you need to try to go about it diplomatically with your neighbors. And then third, if all else fails, get the proper authorities involved, whether that be animal control or what have you, okay? Now, when you do, this is, this is a tough thing. And I, look guys, I hope this never happens to you. I really do. I hope it never, ever, 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 ever happens to any of you. But the reality is there's a chance. Let's say you are outside and you have a dog coming, coming with intent to harm you. Okay. Now look guys, I, I'm, this is a, a what if scenario. And like I said, I hope this never happens to you. 
And in those scenarios, you know, you got to do what you got to do and try to protect yourself. And one of the best things you can do is if you do have a dog lunging at you, one of the best things you can do is put your forearm out. Okay, take your arm and put it out sideways. So the dog, if it's going to bite you, at least it bites your arm and not any vital organs. I know, tough, serious subject, but I want you guys to be empowered with information. And while those scenarios are uncontrollable and it's just, it's never going to end well, at least, it, at least you can try to protect yourself a little. Okay, so again, not trying to be bum and glum, just trying to give you some realistic uh, information on if a dog were to attack you, if you do find yourself in that horrible, horrible, but thank goodness, not very likely situation, you want to put your forearm out and let them grab onto that. Then it allows you to grab better control. If you need to be able to grab the dog or do anything else with your other arm, you now have the ability to do that as well as again, most importantly, protecting those vital areas of your body. Okay. All right. Let's move on from that. (laughs) I know a little serious, a little serious, Uh, but let's move on. So look, I've been out in public a lot recently and I have experienced a lot of off-leash dogs. Okay. Now I know this, this episode, (laughs) this episode took on a little more of a serious note, didn't it? Okay. Uh, But yeah, you know, I've encountered a lot of these off-leash dogs out in public and it's really becoming a problem guys, because this is becoming a daily occurrence daily occurrence with off-leash, out-of-control dogs. And so I decided to call my local animal control, who I love. I love Martin County Animal Control. Uh, Unfortunately, they have been renamed Animal Services, and in doing so, they have been given less power and ability (laughs) to, to protect everybody and protect animals. Now, Martin County Animal Services does amazing work, guys, because, look, Martin County has a lot of undeveloped areas, and a lot of swampy area, a lot, a lot of areas for wild animals. And Martin County does incredible work in rescuing not only dogs and cats and pets and things like that, but they do a ton of work rescuing wildlife. And it's absolutely unbelievable um, what they do. It, it really is. And they're just incredible. And look where I live. I live down the street from the Treasure Coast Wildlife Center, phenomenal facility. They do a lot of rehab work um, and rehabilitation and attempting to rehab animals and get them back out into the wild. And you'll see the Martin County, you know, animal control, animal services trucks up and down my road all the time. It's a good thing and a bad thing, right? It's bad because unfortunately that means there's injured animals, but it's good because these people are out there caring for them. Um, Really, really awesome stuff. So I just want to say a a thank you to Martin County Animal Services because I think they do a wonderful job. But, you know, after my phone call, um, after my phone call, I was informed basically that... As with a lot of things right now, right, guys, there's budget cuts and all these things. And, you know, my, my goal in calling them was to inform them that there are a lot of off-leash dogs at this one particular park every time I go. And I'd really love if, if they could just, you know, hey, have somebody there one day a week for a month, you know, four times, right? Go out there and write some tickets. You know what I'm saying? Encourage these people to leash up their damn dogs. And basically, I was told we are stretched so thin. <laughs> They're stretched so thin that it's hard for them to do this. Um, look, guys, if you live in the Martin County Treasure Coast area, I, I please, I encourage you to get a hold of your county board of commissioners and encourage them to increase the budgeting and increase the amount of resources these officers need so desperately. Uh, they really do because they do an amazing job. They're unbelievable. Any interaction I've ever had with them, is it's, it's just great. It really is. They do work for wildlife. They do work for pets. And they're understaffed. 
They really are, and they can't do what's necessary. And I think that's a huge reason why I have seen such an increase of off-leashed dogs and downright rude dog owners who don't know these laws. And how else are they going to if we don't have our officers out there enforcing them? You know, um, so again, you know, look, I encourage you to please get a hold of the county commissioners, guys, anybody listening out there in Palm City, Stewart, uh, Jensen Beach, Martin County. Come on, guys. We are an awesome county and our citizens are well heard here. So make your voice heard and let them know that our animal control, they need our help. OK, they really do. They need our help. So I encourage you guys to do that if you live in the area. Hell, even if you don't give them a ring, let them know. <laughs> Tell them I sent you. No, um, <laughs> But really, you know, I, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we have so many off-leash dogs out there. And it's unfortunate that I have to even do this segment, isn't it? Isn't it so unfortunate that I have to uh, do a segment about uncontrolled dogs? People not taking, I look at it this way, people not taking care of their dogs. That's the way I see it. Why in the world are you going to let your dog run loose in a neighborhood, guys? They're going to get hit by a car. Like, what are you doing, you know? Ugh, take care of your pets, guys. And the best way to do that is to keep them leash. And another thing, another side note, when you're out on these trails, when you're out on these nice, beautiful trails, um, you know, in the woods, doesn't matter where you are, Florida or not, please leash up your dogs. It's also a safety thing for the wildlife. The, these trails are cut out specifically in certain areas for specific reasons. And the second your dog starts going off trails and marking and peeing on things and getting their scent everywhere, it can actually throw the wildlife off. You heard me correctly, okay? So it's really important that you keep your dogs on these trails and you keep them leashed up. It's not just for our safety and for their safety, but it's for the safety and well-being of wildlife as well. So I can't stress it enough, guys. <laughs> please leash up your dogs. Neighbors, please build fences. Put in a tie-down in the backyard so you know the dogs don't escape. And again, in the state of Florida, it's your responsibility as a dog owner to ensure that your dog stays on your property. And if they don't, you are breaking the law. Um, so, you know, it's more, guys, please be mindful of each other. Be respectful of each other and leash up your dogs. If you do have a nuisance neighbor dog, guys, don't forget, look up your local laws, look up local ordinances and know what they are. That's the way to best empower yourself to ensure safety for your dog, your family and so on. You know, I, excuse me, as I told you guys with my story at the beginning of the segment, the way that I resolved my issue with my neighbor was one, try to be diplomatic. And two, when that fails, know the laws and have the power of the law on my side. Okay. Know that I'm not breaking the laws. They are. And utilize that so everybody ends up being safe and happy in the end. So uh, be mindful of those neighbor dogs. Know what you can do about it. And hey, everybody will be safer and happy. But if we just leash up our dogs, guys, bare minimum, if we all just leashed up our dogs, I wouldn't even have to do this segment today, right? So please leash up your dogs. Please, please, please keep control of your dogs. And of course, always hire a professional when in doubt. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Catahoula Leopard Dog. The Catahoula Leopard Dog is a member of the Foundation stock, and they come in from 50 to 95 pounds. An independent, strong, and determined working dog, the Catahoula Leopard Dog is the only breed of dog originating from the state of Louisiana. They are a medium to large-sized dog with a short coat, and they have an instinctual need to protect, so it's important that they are socialized from a young age. 
Catalula Leopard Dog does need firm and consistent training, and these dogs do not do well in an apartment setting. Yes, they need plenty of space to roam and plenty of exercise. They need multiple daily walks and lots and lots of stimulation, with variety being key. Once home, though, they can be a wonderful family dog, making an excellent companion, as they'd prefer to not be alone. Also called the Catahoula Hog Dog, they are used as stock dogs, bay dogs, tree dogs, watch dogs, and guard dogs. Now, hip dysplasia, deafness, and eye problems occasionally occur, but the majority of the dogs are healthy. Kept in good health, they can live to be 10 to 14 years old. The Catahoula Leopard Dog can trace its origins back to at least the 1500s. Now, when Hernando de Soto landed in America, there was only one domesticated animal. And it was the Native American's dog. Now, the Native American's dog, it looked like a wolf, but barked like a dog. And the Native dogs were bred with bloodhounds, mastiffs, and greyhounds brought over by Spanish explorers. Once the French arrived to Louisiana, the dogs were crossbred yet again, resulting in the Catahoula, uh, Catahoula leopard dog that we know today. The Catahoula was used to track and round up wild hogs, hence the nickname Catahoula Hog Dog. The Catahoula also developed a unique way of working stock. They would create a canine fence around the herd to be able to be guided and controlled by the dog's master. The natural working instinct is a must to be considered a true Catahoula leopard dog, and the breed became so synonymous with Louisiana that they became the state dog in 1979. The United Kennel Club was the first to recognize the breed in 1995, and they entered the AKC Foundation stock in 1996, but they have yet to meet the requirements for full AKC recognition. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Linda from Boston, Massachusetts. Linda says, My dog eats poop anytime we go to the dog park. He doesn't eat his own poop, only other dogs. My vet has said there's nothing wrong with him, but at the same time, he really hasn't done any specific tests. Any ideas how to stop this? Yes, Linda, okay. So, look, dogs eat poop for a couple different reasons. And when it comes to this specific issue, the first thing, well, most issues when it comes to training, but this one especially... The first thing I want to try to eliminate is any biological or medical issues that might be going on. Now, being that your vet has not done any specific tests, I mean, look, I don't know if he pulled some blood work that you guys got recently and looked over the blood work and thought that looked fine, but look, there, there are certain tests vets can do to check if your dogs are getting all the nutrition that they need. So the first thing I would say is one, maybe get a second opinion from a different vet and two, maybe change the foods. Uh, now, look, I, I wouldn't just start going and changing foods. If you're feeding maybe not the best quality food, that can definitely be playing a role because maybe your dog isn't getting the proper nutrients that they need, okay? And so maybe just upping the food and actually buying a higher quality food might help, right? But again, I would recommend maybe getting a second opinion from a vet or just asking your vet, can we do any further tests? Is there anything more we can look into specifically to see if there's anything medical going on here? Okay, because I, I have to eliminate medical issues. I have to. I, I can't tell. I'm not, I am not a medical expert. I'm not a veterinarian. I go for the behavior side. So if I want to look at something from a behavioral perspective, I have to eliminate the things I can't control like a medical issue. Okay, once that's taken care of, let's say you do get the clean bill of health and your vet says there's nothing wrong. Well, then I'm going, okay, it's most likely behavioral. Now, the question I always have to start with is, do you walk your dog? Do you exercise your dog? Do you give them good mental 
stimulation. I need to go to the dog park. That's great physical stimulation, but it's not probably, it's most likely not doing anything mental for your dog. Now, being that you go to the dog park and your dog eats only other dog's poop, to me, and again, by no means am I a veterinarian and a medical expert, but that kind of says to me that he's trying to get nutrients from the other dog's poop. Now, I'd also, believe it or not, can be a control thing. If your dog is is controlling in their behaviors with other dogs, um, then sometimes eating other dog's poop, believe it or not, can be a control displacement, getting that scent and taking it, okay? Um so there really are, are a slew of reasons that your dog could be doing this. Sometimes it's out of straight up boredom. And that's why I also suggest getting your dog out on a walk, getting them more stimulation and exercise. Because if they are bored, that's the only thing that's going to solve that is more stimulation, more exercise. How about a variety? Do something different with them. Change up your exercise. Change your walk route. If you're already walking your dog, take your dog to new places they've never been. Go to the beach if you, uh, you're a boss. Oh yeah, you can boss, right? Kind of close. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you get what I'm saying here. If it is behavioral, it's most likely boredom. Uh, most likely, but not always. So you want to try to tackle this from a couple a couple different angles. But like I said, the first thing you want to do, eliminate any medical or biological issues. Second thing you want to do is increase mental stimulation and exercise. And of course, the third thing is if it's more of a behavioral controlling kind of thing, a control displacement, maybe you need to do some training and maybe hiring a professional might be in your near future. Next question. This comes from Sydney from Reno, Nevada. Uh, Sydney, I want to say thank you. This is actually the uh, second question you've sent over. You sent another question for the Q&A a couple weeks ago. So, hey, thanks again for sending another question over my way. And uh, Sydney says, I'm wondering how I get my dog to walk by other dogs without him trying to play. I would love for him to be off leash. The laws allow it here. However, I'm not comfortable off leash yet because if he sees another dog, he'll run towards it trying to play. How do I become more interesting than the other dogs? I would uh, love to have a hiking buddy, but right now we train hikes on a 50-foot lead, but he's still distracted. So, you know, Sydney, this has to start well before the walk. What you want to start doing is increasing and reinforcing and strengthening focus from your dog well before you get out on a walk, okay? So really, my first suggestion is kind of go back to basics here. Uh, you want to go back to basics. Go back to the kissy noise exercise, right? You're going to make the kissy noise, call your dog's name get them to look at you and make eye contact and then reward it. Now you can always do my little trick where you take the treat and you'll actually take the treat and put it below your chin, hold it below your chin in order to get that eye contact from your dog, hold that eye contact, tell them go boy, and then give them a treat. And what you're going to start doing, kissing his, call his name, treat under the chin, get the eye contact, hold it for two or three seconds, feed it. You're going to take that two or three seconds and start extending it to five seconds, 10 seconds, 15, 20, so on and so forth. Okay, so we're really honing in on that eye contact and focus and the kissing noise and rewarding it. Okay, then you're also going to extend it to your dog is just, hey, he's just hanging out on the dog bed at home, chewing a dog toy. You're maybe across the house or in the other room. You're going to make that kissing noise. He's going to come running. He'll sit down, look up at you, get that eye contact, hold it, feed it. You want to start teaching your dog that no matter what the circumstances and no matter what's happening, when you hear that kissing noise, you come running and we're going to increase that focus. So that's really what I want you to hone in on is increasing and strengthening focus from your dog before you go out on the walk. Okay. Then maybe you can just go right outside your house. If you live in like a neighborhood or something like that, where there's some distractions, 
go outside, work on that focus with distractions that aren't necessarily another dog, right? Uh, minimal distractions to start with. Then we'll work ourselves up and build up to those bigger distractions, okay? But again, to me, the most important thing with this is creating focus well before you get to the distractions, okay? One other thing you're gonna wanna do is find a treat. Find a dog treat that your dog really likes, okay? I want it to be meaty and I want it to be chewy, maybe something stinky, uh, you know, fish, Fish salmon treats tend to work very well. Duck treats, a lot of times they really go uh, crazy for duck treats. But I found especially salmon treats, anything with like a fish oil in it. Dogs love that fish oil. Um, so if you can use find a treat that they really like, and I want you to only, only use that treat when you're out on the walk. Okay, only. That's the only time they're going to get that treat is when you're out on the walk with distractions. We have to look at it from the motivational standpoint, right? Not only do we want to create a pattern of, of focus of our, from our dog, of when we request focus, we get it and reinforce it. Not only do we want to strengthen and create that pattern, right? But we also have to look at it from motivation in that that dog over there is pretty darn motivating, right? That dog your dog has never, never, gets, has never seen before. That's exciting. I want to go play with that. So you have to have something equally or more, right, motivating or exciting for him to want to um, ignore that dog. He needs to get something, a reward that's greater than the reward of seeing that dog. Okay, so that's my like my little trick is use a treat that only comes out at those times. Okay. Um, another big mistake, you know, I, I want to say you're using a 50-foot leash out on the walk. Um, look, if your dog can't handle being distracted on two feet of leash, then uh, you know a 50-foot leash isn't going to get you much, much success. Look, I see a lot of <clears throat> Instagram trainers out there who suggest giving your dog like all the space in the world out on the walk to try to teach them to ignore distractions. And I'll be honest, that's not a good thing. That's not what you want to be doing. You want to give your dog very little amount of leash. Very little. I need my dog to focus on two feet of leash before I can expect them to focus on five, 10, 15, 20, and then no leash. So if your dog doesn't focus well going by other dogs only on two feet of leash, then the 50 foot leash isn't really going to help you. So I would work on getting that focus honed in before the walk, right? Get a stinky treat that's really exciting and motivating that they really like that you're going to use only on the walks. And then I would shorten that leash back up get that focus and get that control on the two feet of leash before you start working yourself up to no leash, okay? Uh, so those, those are kind of the three things I'd really hone in on and pay attention and see if that helps you out. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the only insect that can turn its head? It's the praying mantis. Yes, the praying mantis can turn its head up to 180 degrees. <laughs> That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, go ahead and do so right now. You can follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. <laughs>